What's up, everybody? This is Shanti Das, the founder of Silence the Shame, and it is an absolute honor to be here today to share with you guys on our very first podcast. Uh, this is episode one of the Silence the Shame podcast, and I am truly, truly grateful to have our first guest here, who is also a dear friend of mine, uh, Miss Rhonda Morgan. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Shanti. Thank you for having me. It is uh, really special. Um, I think you know this is something that's near and dear to me. Um, I started the Silence the Shame initiative probably about a year and a half ago, maybe going on two years, but it took me like almost a year ago to really like jumpstart things and, and get it going. And I'm grateful to have you as one of our committee members now. Yes, and yes. We have uh, Cameron and Jasmine and Tanya, um, so many wonderful people that have come on board to help. And I really just hope that we can create a movement. For everybody that's asking uh, or wondering what is Silence the Shame, Silence the Shame is a new initiative um, to help peel back the layers of shame and stigma on mental health. And I have my own personal reasons for starting this initiative. Uh, for those of you that know me or are familiar with my background, it's no secret that my father committed suicide when I was seven months old. And that was something that kind of uh, haunted me and, and, and plagued my family, if you will, for many years. And, and we kind of dealt with it um, individually. Unfortunately, we didn't go to counseling as a family. And um, I think in a lot of cultures, and particularly in the African-American culture, it's frowned upon. You yeah, know, I to, would agree. You know, to, yeah. to get uh, counseling or to seek help and therapy. And so I was 30 years old before I went to my first therapy session to even talk about my dad. For many years, I wouldn't even allow my mom to bring it up. Oh, my. I, no, seriously. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was so upset when I was five years old because I you know how you get in a circle in kindergarten right and you talk about what you're going to do on the weekend and so I remember being in the circle and I said I'm going to you know hang out with my dad this weekend and you know I said that a couple of times and finally my teacher had to call my mom up there and really sit me down and say look sweetie unfortunately your, your father's deceased and that's not going to happen so that was kind of like you know just devastating for me and so for many years I was angry at my father one for not being here and then I when I found out you know what suicide was and what it meant um, I think I was even more angry at him because mm -hmm. um, I thought that he just intentionally left us right? right left his baby girl left his wife and left his other children and um, you know thank God that I've grown up to realize that when someone commits suicide oftentimes they are not in their right mind and, you know, whether it's a psychotic break that happens or, you know, things that happen over time to kind of just take them to that point, I am very much more sympathetic now. Um, and uh, three years ago, a dear friend of mine committed suicide, which is another challenge for me. And, um, you know, there are just so many mental health disorders that are out there. And, and I hope that what Silence the Shame does is, is to help people speak more openly about it and not be uh, afraid to share. And I'm not saying you got to get on social media and talk about it. For me, when I first started talking about my own depression that I suffered through, it was freeing for me mm -hmm. to be able to share it and to talk about it. And I wasn't embarrassed anymore. I was like, you know what? Okay, God, I hear you. This is my life, and I'm going to share my story and my journey. And so I just thank you for being willing to come on the show today 
to tell us about your journey. And um, I know that, you know, in addition to your wonderful career as a real <laughs> estate agent, and I'm so proud of you, you, you also authored a chapter in a book that's already out. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I have, I'm a, a contributing author to a book called The Soul Composition, Stories mm -hmm. in the Key of Life. Okay. And it talks about overcoming obstacles. Mm -hmm. And... Um, there are some amazing people and their story just confirms how they were able to get to where they are today. Wow. You know, we look at people and you say, oh, they're successful or, you know, they're just this, they have this wonderful life and you don't realize all that they've had to go through to get there mm -hmm. or what they're still dealing with, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, to even maintain that. Absolutely. So, so that's what the book is about. And my chapter is called, I didn't quit, I just stopped doing. Mm. And it had a lot to do with my career mm -hmm. when the uh, the market turned mm -hmm. uh, back in 2007, 2008, dealing with my mom who had Alzheimer's, who mm -hmm. I was the primary caregiver for. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, my beautiful princess, Kiana, um, who is no longer with us. She's in heaven now. Mm -hmm. And um, so it just it just kind of touches on that. Again, it's, it's just a chapter right now. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I'm not sure what the, the rest of the book is going to look like. That's what I'm, I'm writing that book every day. <laughs> I'm writing well, the ending every day. Well, kudos to you. Mm -hmm. and, and half the battle is just starting and, and being open and willing to share. Yeah. So that takes us to why you are uh, my first featured guest on the show today. And, and this is a circle of love and trust, and we can share as much or share as little. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like uh, if there's anything that you're not ready to talk about, um, just know that um, my words come from a place of love. And, we, you know, we can either share or not, whatever you're comfortable with. But again, that, you know, we're hoping that we can impact some lives um, from those that will tune in and listen to this podcast. With, again, with this being our inaugural podcast for Silence to Shame, um, Rhonda, would you mind sharing with us um, your experience with um, mm -hmm. mental health disorders and and what happened within your family that um, you still you know have to deal with to this day? Sure. So um, my daughter Kiana, um, she uh, apparently was suffering with mental health, and as most parents. I guess I was in denial, or I didn't. I didn't see the signs, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I think that's usually it. It's not that you're necessarily in denial. You just you see signs, right? Sometimes of a typical teenager, and you think these are just normal things that they're going through. And and I think that's part of what makes mental health sometimes hard to diagnose, mm -hmm. because it can mirror other things, and you just never know if someone needs help or if they just need you know, some, some attention or some right. love or if they need medication, right? <laughs> right, because you think, you know, what are you sad about? You mm -hmm. come, you are an amazing person. Mm -hmm. You have great friends, a loving family. Your mom is the bomb. So, mm -hmm. you know, what do you yes. have to be sad about? Yeah. Uh, whatever it is, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And I guess one day it just wasn't fine anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And she, you know, she decided to, to take her life. And um, it's been, you know, five years now. It was just before her 21st birthday. And it's still, it's, it's still almost like a dream. You know, mm -hmm. I still feel like she's going to come home one day and be like, ah, 
mom, I just had to get away for a couple of years, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm back. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't even be mad. I'd be so <laughs> excited. <laughs> right. You know, I'd be like, welcome home, baby. You know, kind of like the prodigal yeah. son. Yeah. I would be amazed and have like this big party for her, you know. But um, but then you, reality sinks in and that's not going to happen. And um, this is my new reality. And you have to figure out how do you how do you move forward? How do mm-hmm. you... Um, I think it's 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 even more important, you know, as parents. I was always Kiana's mom, mm-hmm. and now, even though I'll always be Kiana's mom, but who am I? Who is Rhonda? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what does Rhonda like? What does you know? What what what's going to make my life fulfilling? So you know, what can I do to move forward to live a productive, healthy life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the million dollar question well I think part of one thing is just even you volunteering to be a part of silence to shame right to help others and to to try to help other people figure out you know what that means for them that may be suffering or you know dealing with a family member um, can you take us back to around that time and again we, we don't have to go into a lot of detail but I would like to know uh, did your daughter ever um, see a therapist or a psychiatrist or it was it just something that happened and then you kind of had to try to go back and, and replay you know the times that she was sad um <laughs> we did see a therapist once but not because of this okay. because I thought she was crazy <laughs> you know but she was being a teenager but right. I felt like okay you know, maybe we need a mediator because we, we're obviously not communicating or well. And seeing eye to eye. Right. Yeah. So we need someone to Which help happens us. more than not, you know, yeah. a little bit. And and so, but not realizing, so, so we didn't go to therapy to say, oh, she's, you know, having suicidal thoughts or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. But looking back, because she was much younger than, you know, that tween the, right. the age. <laughs> um I guess now I can say hindsight is twenty twenty. It's possible that it was just her being a tween or she was crying out for help. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know? Um, Did she leave a note or anything to you and your family? Um, or a sign or anything? Well, um... <sighs> She did leave a letter. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't leave a letter that day. Okay. Um, when it happened, uh, after cleaning out her car, mm-hmm. um, we found a letter that was dated more than a year before it happened. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Which meant that I guess she was thinking about this. Yeah. And, you know, oh, anyone, wow. anyone who knows Kiana knows that she is super intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know that that person that knows a little about everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very well versed. Well, well versed things. in life in her short time here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the way she articulated her letter, it was clear. Well, what, first and foremost, as a parent, you're rushing through the letter because you're thinking, what did I do? This or is my fault. Or what did I miss? Yeah. And <laughs> the interesting thing is she never once mentioned me in really? her letter. She never mentioned her her family per se. She talked about just herself 
and the struggle that she has within herself mm. or she had within herself. Mm -hmm. And you think it was a struggle to be great? You know, I think we see a lot of kids nowadays, and, and I talk about this to other friends that are parents, because I'm not a parent, but I have nieces and nephews, and I go and speak at colleges and at high schools, and I think sometimes this generation of kids, they are exposed to so much more than you and I were, and the pressures are, are you know, mm -hmm. some of them are the same, and some are different and compounded, you know, in other ways. Um, do you think she felt the pressure within herself just to be great? No. I think for her, she, she because she she was super confident okay. in herself, mm -hmm. and um, she was a peer leader. Mm. I mean, even some of her friends now, you know, they'll hit me up on Facebook or send me a text, like, oh, I was just thinking about Kiana gave me advice on this, or, Aww. you know, she was just amazing like that. Mm -hmm. I think her struggle was just society, okay. how this world is crazy, and how, you know, um, she's she's like, she's just not happy. So why mm -hmm. is she, you know, it's, it's a struggle between, it's, a, it's like every day, and I haven't read this letter, I read it twice, mm -hmm. five years ago. Mm -hmm. So I, the details may be a little sure, cloudy. Sure. And I can't believe I'm even talking about this. You're talking about peeling back layers. We're really like... You just ripped off every layer went down to the bone now because I well, don't, we don't we don't have to no but I mean that's that's fine um, this is because it's not about me at this point um, I haven't talked about that letter so again I'm, I'm saying it's but what I remember mm -hmm. the tone of the letter mm -hmm. was just the struggle she was having within herself got it and that she was not which which why which is she is not interested she was not interested in dealing with doctors and then putting on medicate her on I medication see. and I making see. her feel crazy mm -hmm. and this that and the other mm -hmm. which is why you know I'm I'm interested to know about other options right. other other ways of, of dealing with um, with mental health besides medication because she was so intelligent and she did so much research and mm -hmm. she was an avid reader um, she knew a lot about you know she obviously knew a lot about this she, sure. she looked into it sure so she was able, in her mind, to make an informed decision. And so I think a lot of us do that, right? We, we try to self-diagnose, and um, it's a gift and a curse there, you know, to be so intelligent, and, and we want to get out there and read and see as much that we can do on our own. But I think what we're trying to do, one, even with Silence to Shame, like you said, is pr to provide other options or resources that people can find out about because every case is different. Every person's situation is different. Um, and to, so to other students out there or parents that are struggling, you know, with kids or siblings or friends, you know, that are unhappy and dealing with situations, sometimes, you know, what I found even with my own depression because I feel like, you know, depression can come from many different ways, right, in different areas. It can be, you can be predisposed to it, you know, it could run in your family, or it could be a result of a traumatic, you know, life experience, a, a loss of a parent, a loss of a sibling, a, you know, a divorce, or something that is, like, life-changing, or just that struggle, you know, like your daughter within yourself in terms of what's, what's going on in society and to be good and to be great, um, or just to deal with the struggles that are going on, um, I, I think... What we can't do is just self-diagnose ourselves. And, and, that, and that does not mean that you have to be on medication. Like you said, mm -hmm. there are other things you can do 
well, I like to say is to find your happy place, right? Or to keep you there. Like for me, when I went into my deep depression in 2015, you know, I talked a lot to my pastor, shout out to Dr. Raphael Warnock, Obert Ebenezer. Um, I talked to my good friend, Sherry Riley, and my friend Kim Roseberry. Several of my friends, April Nichols, were there for me and were kind of talking me through things. But I knew I had gotten to a point, though, where I needed something else. The talking and you know, people encouraging me just wasn't enough. Like I was waking up in the mornings not wanting to, you know, uh, pull back the curtains or open the blinds or to get out of bed. And so I did need an antidepressant. And so I finally went um, to the psychiatrist and I was prescribed uh, Zoloft. And, you know, again, depending on your body and where you're at, your doctor will prescribe different levels. And like they started me at 50 milligrams and I didn't really like the way that was making me feel, so they brought me down to 25 milligrams, and it worked. I found myself in better spirits, and, you know, I'm the same way. I don't really like to take medicine if I don't have to, you know, but you just got to know your options and weigh your options. And, and again, that's what Silence of Shame is about. It's, it's about telling the story, creating the awareness, letting people know what options and resources are out there. Um and I'm not necessarily saying medication, you know, would have been, you know, the best treatment for your daughter. But I just want people to know that sometimes you can take medication for a short period of time and wean yourself off of it unless you have a severe case. Well, I agree. I think uh, medication is probably the, the obvious option mm-hmm. for most. And now, again, <laughs> I, I can I can speak a little bit more intelligently. I, I feel like depression is you know if you have high blood pressure or diabetes you have to take medication mm-hmm. you know to, to, so that you can get it under control right and that and you hit the nail on the head getting it under control right I, depression is no different it's just that there's this stigma attached to Correct. it and if we can lift that stigma i mean i can't believe i'm sitting here having this conversation because again th- these are things that doesn't happen to us right you know, you mm-hmm. see it on TV, you hear about it on the news. It mm-hmm. definitely doesn't happen in the African-American community. But I'm here to tell you that it does. It does. It happens more. Well, we think it doesn't, but right. it does. It happens yeah. more than we know it. Mm-hmm. And we have, that's why I am so, <laughs> I am so excited about Silence to Shame and, mm-hmm. and the lives that it's going to change and impact because we have to bring awareness to this. We have to. Mm-hmm. Um I am totally vulnerable right now because there there are many people that still don't know um, what happened to Kiana, how she how she passed. It was mm-hmm. questionable. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I mean, this is this this is it. We we need to know and. Well, I'm so grateful that you're sharing today, Um, and you're absolutely right. And I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago. You said, you know, sometimes we do it um, to get it under control, Mm -hmm. and I think you're absolutely right. And for me, once I felt like, you know, with my doctor that I had kind of gotten things off control, under control, I kind of weaned myself off of it. And you can't, you know, that's one of the things that they teach you is you can't stop taking the medicine, like just wake up tomorrow and say, I'm not going to take it anymore. You have to, like you know, slow down on your dosage and Mm -hmm. cut back and and devise a system and plan that works and and slowly win yourself off of it. Because sometimes it has adverse effects on you if you just stop abruptly and take a medication. But 
there are certain things that I do now that I'm not on medication that I still have to do to take care of my mental health. It's right. so important, like exercise. And Lord knows <laughs> I don't love to exercise, but I know I need to because mm-hmm. I'm on a, a, a life change to kind of, you know, have a healthier lifestyle. But exercising really helps, you know, get those endorphins going and get right. you excited and, you know, vitamin D. I think it's important. That's why a lot of times I have to just get out of my house and get out into the sunshine. Mm-hmm. Certain foods that you can eat um, will help, you know, stimulate the brain and, and create a healthy mental health. So it, it's about a lifestyle. It's about education. It's about removing the stigma, you know, that you talked about. And, you know, people look at you know, mental health, and they always say, oh, that person is crazy. No, they're not crazy. You know, th- you, you don't talk ill about someone that has cancer or someone that has heart disease. You know, it's just something that they're experiencing. And, you know, for years, you know, the medical profession, you know, fought to make sure that people knew that mental health disorders, it was a disease as mm-hmm. well. And so you have to get treated for that. And so, you know, we're so excited that you guys are listening and tuning in to our very first um, inaugural podcast, episode one, for Silence to Shame. You know, we will continue to have so many great conversations. We're going to pull in mental health care professionals. Sometimes we'll have a therapist on or a psychiatrist, and we're going to be going to colleges and high schools and speaking and sharing. And coming up on May 6th, we're having our first mental health fair. We're so excited. Uh, I just had a meeting the other day with uh, the Morehouse School of Medicine, and they are joining forces with us because they have so many wonderful behavioral scientists over there that are contributing and making great strides in the mental health arena. And uh, we're hoping to get Grady on board and some other good folks in the, in the city of Atlanta. And, and as we continue to take this conversation nationwide, you know, we want other mothers like Rhonda, you know, or siblings or you know, people that have, have dealt with mental health disorders, you know, we've experienced bipolar disorder in our family. We've experienced schizophrenia. Um, and, and it's challenging. And, and again, certain cases are harder for others. You know, some people can take medication for years and still not are able to shake it. And some people, you know, self-medicate with <coughs> recreational drugs. And that's one thing that's a really a big no-no is, you know, when you have a mental health disorder, excuse me, it's really not good to combine it with um, other substances because when your brain and your body already has that chemical imbalance, those other chemicals can tip you over further. But oftentimes people don't, you know, you hear this all the time, I don't like how the medication makes me feel. You have so many people that are either taking bipolar medication or medication for depression or anxiety and they just don't like the way it makes them feel. And I'm looking forward to having more conversations you know, with the pharmaceutical companies that have, you know, medications in the mental health arena so that hopefully they can continue to find ways to fix the medicine that's out there and to help those. Um, Would you like to share anything with us now, just being five years in, um, have you experienced any other friends or family members um, that have either one been depressed themselves or have a family member that has had to deal with suicide and how you've been able to just encourage them to silence the shame? Um, well, let's start with family. So I got to put my family on blast. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think anyone has um, had those uh, feelings mm-hmm. because they don't talk about it. Like ah. as a family, you just don't know. 
I just don't know. Gotcha. Um, as a family, we haven't even, you know, like you said, you, your family didn't talk about uh, your dad's right, right. Um, passing. Right. We haven't, we haven't talked about it either. I mean, some people in my family are even scared to, you know, mention her name around really? me. Really. And I'm, my thing is, I mean, and friends too, but I'm here to say that that person, whoever, whoever that person is, they were a significant part of this world, mm -hmm. of our lives. Mm -hmm. You can't act like they didn't exist, you know? And, and granted, everyone deals with things differently. Some people may not be at the place where they're ready to, you know, hear their child or their spouse or their friend, whoever's name. Right. Um, but ask. It's just mm -hmm. that simple. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? Ask. Yeah. Because for me personally, I want to talk about Kiana because she had a she had a uh, she was a, a very she played a very important role in my family mm -hmm. in my life with my friends mm -hmm. um so yes we need to talk about her we need to to say oh yeah remember when Kiana did this and oh she's so silly or yeah. remember that we need to do that I think it's healthy to keep the memory alive and going memories don't live like people do it, you know yeah. Yeah. We got to have, that's what and we have to hold on to. It's funny you say that. Like, now I can talk about my father. Again, if you're just tuning in, my dad com committed suicide when I was seven months old. And for many years, I didn't want to talk about him. I wouldn't let my mom bring up his name. And now it's like a blessing for me to be able to talk about my daddy. And, and the, the short time that we did have, you know, my mom talks about how he would come in the house and I would lay on his chest and we, those are fun moments, right? Mm -hmm. And even though his life was taken short um, on something, you know, that, that, that he chose, but I still think he, you know, was dealing with mental health issues that we didn't know about. It's something that I'm not embarrassed about, and I share it and I celebrate it. And for many years, when people ask me how my dad died, I would just say he got killed or he was shot. Mm -hmm. But I would not say he committed suicide. I was shameful about that. And now I'm not shameful. I had peeled back those layers of stigma and shame as it relates to suicide in my life and I'm okay talking about it and I, I, I hope and pray and wish the same thing for other people just like you're saying you want your family to be able to talk about it it's not only therapeutic it's freeing mm -hmm. because it's like you lifting this weight you, we talked about this earlier when we were prepping the big elephant in the room mm -hmm. you know it's freeing to be able to just talk and be yourself and to not harbor any you know feelings of you know, shamefulness or, or embarrassment or, you know, fear. Right. Um, and it, it is shameful, especially for a parent. I still feel shame. You know, people, you know, I meet people all the time and, you know, you just have conversation. Do you have mm -hmm. children? Mm -hmm. I would say yes, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, but she's in heaven. Oh, my God, what happened? And I like, you know, I don't want to talk about it right, right now. Right. So I'm still a little shameful. And that's okay. You know, it's, it's not like you have to share it with everyone. Right. And, and I family agree. should be able to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, family sure. should be able to talk about it. Um, uh, unfortunately, I have had, I've had um, friends who's, who's lost their siblings, who's lost their children um, within the past, this last year, I don't know what was going on in mm -hmm. 2016. Really? But, um three people that are pretty close to me have lost um, their two, two lost siblings and one lost his son um, to suicide to suicide wow and um, are they um, not that it, it matters obviously because you know it happens in every community were they African-American yes all of them are African-American 
and um, I just really want to do my part, whatever, no matter how small it is, mm-hmm. to, to, to help bring awareness. Have and you talked to them? Do you know how they're coping? Um, they're doing just that. They're coping okay. and taking it one day at a time. Yeah. And that's always my advice. Um, it's it's grief. It's it's, but it's a little. It's you you go through the grieving process as with any other loss. Right. It's just magnified a little. Sure. And I say you know just take it. You can't even take it day by day. You got to take it second by second, mm-hmm. minute by minute, mm-hmm. and day by day, mm-hmm. literally because. You know, now we're having a conversation about it in detailed conversation, a detailed conversation, and so many thoughts and feelings, emotions are, you know, coming up now, but yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. But tomorrow morning, I could be laughing, hee hee ha ha, yeah. and then just that fast, it just, changes. It changes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, but I have learned to cope, and I, and my, my, um, the people that uh, I'm associated with who have gone through this. You have to allow yourself to go to do that. Did you, know? you find yourself ever going through your own bout of anxiety or depression after it happened, no matter how small or? Yeah, I just had a conversation with a friend yesterday morning, as a matter of fact, and I told him, I said, it's five years and I still am not me. Mm-hmm. Um, did you go to counseling or therapy? I did. Okay. I still do. Okay. I Good. still go to um, a support group, right. not as often. And sometimes you don't have to see a particular therapist, even a, a support group helps. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned support groups. I think, I think those are very helpful sometimes. Yeah, a support group was better for me than an individual because mm-hmm. I found a support group that was specific to, it's called SOS, Survivors of Suicide. Okay. Not of loss or, right. you know, of specific Correct. to my situation. I might need to go today. <laughs> and to hear, the, and the facilitators have have gone through it too. Okay. So, so it's very personal it's for It's very each one personal. Of you. So when someone says, you know, my daughter took their life 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm here today to tell you that it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. You can hold on to that as opposed to this counselor who has never experienced this and say it's going to be okay. Because how do you know? You have no idea Mm -hmm. what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. You can sympathize, but you can't empathize with Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference. Mm -hmm. So for me, the support group is so much better because you're hearing so many different scenarios and listening to how people cope and how some people can't cope Mm -hmm. and how you know you can come up with an action plan and it's so much love and compassion mm-hmm. in the room mm-hmm. which is what you need i don't need anyone to feel sorry for me mm-hmm. just just understand sure um what you've gone through right and again yeah i you know shout out we we still love all the therapists out there and the counselors <laughs> that are doing great work again as i mentioned earlier and and i continue to say this because i'm learning and my sister, um, who's you know had some experiences within her own family, she's in school now to become a licensed counselor. Um, every situation is different, mm-hmm. and what works for one may not work for the other. So what we want you to do while you're listening to Silence to Shame is to kind of take a little bit of what we're saying, right, from Rhonda's story and see how that can apply in your life. And you have to figure out the right regimen for you and for your family. No, there's no blueprint to happiness. 
when, you, when it comes to dealing with mental health. Every case is different, but we want you to know it is a lot of options out there for you. And I think the big thing, Rhonda, is p- some people just don't take advantage of any of the options, whether it's a support group, whether it's going to see a psychiatrist. Like me, it took forever for me with my depression to finally be okay because I didn't want people to think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. Being depressed doesn't mean you're crazy. It just means you have a, a sickness for a certain period of time that you have to deal with it. Um, so, again, peeling back those layers of shame on whatever it is and just mm-hmm. seeking help and finding the right treatment, medication, you know, spiritual guidance, whatever you need, you need something in your life and you need to know that you are not suffering alone. Again, you know, once we get dig deeper into this and start talking about some of the more severe cases and symptoms for, you know, families or loved ones that have to be, you know, hospitalized and really can't function in society, that's kind of a different conversation, you know, than what we're having. But you know, we care about all of those situations and all of those scenarios, and we want you to know that Silence to Shame is here, you know, to help for everyone. Um, can you share uh, your support group? Was it something that you found within the church, or did someone recommend it to you? Um, one of my dear friends, uh, shout out to Caroline, my bestie, sweetheart, lover dearly. She works with CDC, oh, and great. I had no I, I didn't even, I was so numb. I I didn't think about anything. I don't, everything is a blur. Yeah. That whole, the services, everything is a blur. But one day, I know one day she called me and said, here's a support group you need to go to. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that. Mm. You know? And it's called um, The Links. Okay. And. It's here at Atlanta, Georgia? It's in Atlanta. um, And Sandy Springs. And that's the. That's the location I went to. I believe they have groups other places, but that's like the main um, uh, office. Okay. And um, it's when I, the the first time I went, it was um, a little disheartening. I actually got up and walked out, and you know they came out like to get me, like, "Are you okay?" Yeah. You know, they want to make that's sure. That's understandable. It is, you and know? Um, but it was still in love. It was like yeah. we know it's tough. Yeah. You know, we just want to make sure you're okay, okay, that you're not going to leave and get in your car, you know. Right. But I ended up going back, going back in. It's good for you. Um, but when I went in, I kind of got angry with myself because I felt like I was not listening, you know, mm-hmm. as a parent to Kiana. And had I been listening and stopped and, and wasn't being so hard on her that she's just being basically a spoiled brat or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. entitled. You know how mm-hmm. we're quick to label these yeah. millennials. is You just feel like you're entitled and right. blah, blah, blah. If I took a minute to be a little more compassionate mm-hmm. and remove myself from the situation and, and, tr- and truly be in tune to her, mm-hmm. maybe I could have found the links mm-hmm. and she could have gone there. You know, mm-hmm. it's a very welcoming and inviting environment. Um, so, yeah, the links yeah. is amazing. The, the owner, good. the founder, her son, um, committed suicide many 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 years ago and this is what she started Mm -hmm. I'm sorry her name escapes me now but this is that was what she started to help her get through it and if you are in metro Atlanta I truly 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 recommend you going 
you can call me. I'll go with you. Um, oh, thank you I've for had, that. We'll, yeah. And we'll get the information and post it on our Silence to Shame website because we're creating a resource tab mm-hmm. for those. Um, we're going to start in the Atlanta area and then grow into other regions of the country in terms of support groups and resources and doctors that are out there. But we'd be happy to share yeah. the information on the links. Mm-hmm. It's just a different time now. And... Yes, kids can be, they can, they're, they're going to test the waters. People are going to test the waters. Right. But I'm just asking if anyone even has, an, if you even have an inclination that a friend or loved one is acting a little off before getting frustrated with them yeah. or cutting them off or writing them off, just take a moment, remove yourself, and just have a heart-to-heart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and make sure that there's not any underlying issues. That's and, all. And one thing I will say, too, before we close, um, you know, oftentimes dealing with suicide, because I talk to friends, you know, that have experienced it as well, and even myself, you know, with my best friend a few years ago, you kind of you try to retrace your steps, right? And you go, well, if and could, you know, could I have done something differently? And mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we all go through that. It's human nature. We're, you're going to do that to yourselves. Um, and, and, and the best advice that I can say right now is you you got to do the best that you can. Like you said, talk to them and try. You know, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, when, you know, we don't know how the mind works and when, the, you know, something snaps and takes you on the other side, we don't know if there's any coming back from that. I've seen cases where people have, you know, sought counseling and it worked. And I've seen, you know, obviously cases where it didn't work. But just don't beat yourself up about it. Um, but the best we can do um, is to educate ourselves on mental health. Because even if you don't have a child or you're not experiencing, you know, depression or anxiety or other disorders, you, you never know where life is going to take you, right? And, and you're gonna, you may come in contact with someone that needs a little bit more compassion or a little bit of advice. So part of, again, Silence of Shame's journey is to not only peel back the layers of shame and stigma, but is to educate people because it is so much out there to learn about mental health and how it works and, and how it affects others. Um, so I just want to thank you for being a part of our first episode we definitely want to have you back on the show Um, we're going to grow this thing so that we'll have multiple people in the studio with us talking about it Um, when we take this thing on the road we're going to have you know mental health care professionals we're going to have people from the clergy um, other parents or siblings that have experienced traumatic situations and we want to just break this conversation wide open and to get people to understand what's going on and, and hopefully silence to shame can head to Washington and lobby, you oh, know, yeah. for some, some laws that we need as it relates to health care mm-hmm. and being able to make sure that mental health is covered. Medication, you know, if necessary. If necessary. So, you know, this is something that I feel like is an assignment from God for me and, and something that I'm very happy to do in terms of, finally establishing um, a powerful conversation and and my background is in entertainment and so I'm hoping that we get a lot of other entertainers that will speak out um, and speak you know to the families you know if they've experienced certain situations because we know how our kids are right Mm -hmm. there for whatever reasons you know they're impressionable 
with a lot of folks in our entertainment community, and so I want to bridge that gap as well as relates to mental health um, in the entertainment community. So, guys, let's give it up for Rhonda Morgan for sharing her story today. Um, and I can tell you, I'll be the first person in line to buy your book once <laughs> you do. And, and I just and I say this sincerely, um, you know, because we're friends, and I'm looking forward to our friendship growing, but. Um, I knew you came into my re- my life for a reason, and, and I can't thank you enough for being vulnerable today and sharing something that is so personal and dear to you. And, and we know Kiana is our angel in heaven now, and she's going to be our heaven ambassador for ooh, Silence ooh, of ooh. Shame. <laughs> and we send lots of love to her, and hopefully she's up there kicking it with my dad. <laughs> And so anyone that's out there going through any kind of situations, you know, NAMI is a great organization um, where you can seek uh, resources or help. National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which I used once in my life before. I'm not embarrassed to say. Um, And so there's some other wonderful organizations. You can email us um, if you need to reach me at Shanti at HipHopPro.org. That's S-H-A-N-T-I at HipHopPro.org. Um, we have a Silence of Shame Facebook page as well as the Silence of Shame Instagram page. And Rhonda, tell us how we can stay in touch with you. Uh, you can call me or text me. Uh, my number is 770-912-8838. Uh, you can email me at Rhonda, that's R-H-O-N-D-A, at RealtorPremier, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, dot com. Thank you so much, and thank you guys again for sharing in our inaugural episode of Silence to Shame podcast. Tune in next time.